There's more from Nebraska interim head coach Mickey Joseph. He's hoping to go on a run the final nine games of the year to remove that interim tag. And maybe, just maybe, the Huskers will give him a chance to be the full-time head coach moving forward. But first things first before we get back into the Nebraska game, for those of you that haven't heard, the non-conference slate has been massively altered for next season for the Sooners. OU will not play Georgia at home in Week 2 next year. That is because the SEC basically told Georgia, hey, take that OU game off your schedule, find someone else, and we're thinking that it is linked to the SEC scheduling, and hopefully, potentially, this is being OU's last year in the conference. We can discuss that, but no OU Georgia in Week 2 next year. Instead, Travis Davidson, you get OUSMU in Norman week two next year. That move was announced 20 minutes, I think, after the initial report, which means that both OU and Georgia have known for a while now that that week two game's off the table. Yeah, and did you see who uh, Georgia replaced Oklahoma with? Ball State of all teams, a MAC team. Ball State. Um... Yeah, it's uh, their schedule, Georgia's schedule next year. I would like to go ahead and make my early playoff prediction for the 2023 college football playoff and go ahead and lock Georgia into one of those spots. Yeah. It is. Oof. Unless. They got UT Martin, then Ball State, then UAB, and then they kick off their, uh, their conference matchups. Florida, eh, okay, they could maybe give uh, – Give some trouble, but they got Georgia Tech at Auburn, Kentucky at home, Missouri at home, Ole Miss at home, South Carolina at home. Got four straight home games before they go at Tennessee and then finish off at Vanderbilt. So, yeah, I mean, that's a talk about a uninspired uh, non-conference. Yeah, unless the SEC East is significantly better, Georgia might have the most favorable schedule in, in college football next year, which, you know, Speaking of that, like you could probably say the same thing about OU. OU's non-conference now is Arkansas State at home, SMU at home, at Tulsa. And we'll see if they are in the Big 12, if they are in the Big 12 next year. We'll see how good Oklahoma State and Baylor. Um, I know I'll hear all this off-season hype about Texas and how close they played to Alabama, and all their hype next year will be based on the time that they almost beat the Crimson Tide at home. But if OU's in the Big 12 next year, they'll also have a very manageable schedule. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The difference, though, between SMU and Ball State, I feel like is pretty considerable. And, and I know it does shock you as I read through that Georgia schedule. Incredible that they dodged Alabama again I know, in man. conference play. What luck. I know. What luck. That is My goodness. not a coincidence. The uh, SEC Weird. offices in Birmingham – Seem like they've been aiding Alabama now for about 15 years. Uh, this is nothing new, and it's not surprising whatsoever. So there were some people when this was initially reported. There were some people on the text line upset about the SMU matchup. God, why couldn't you have scheduled Ohio State or USC or someone like that? Look, I'm with you. I would much rather play Ohio State or USC or a lot of teams than SMU, but. I don't know the exact dates when Joe Castiglione and OU found this out, that the SEC is wanting to do this, but we know how non-conference schedules work. There probably there wasn't really very many open dates that they could work with with other teams. I'm sure SMU was probably 
best case scenario for this late, you know, trying to schedule someone in week two for next year. Right. If you look at, at how far ahead these games get scheduled, I mean, we've got we've got games scheduled into the 2030s and a lot of them. So, I mean, you can't just turn around and, and, and all the teams are really doing this. You can't just turn around and say, hey, especially since it's only a couple teams that are moving. I mean, you could you could flip around a few, but, yeah, SMU is pretty much as good as you're going to get, I'm guessing. And, yeah, I mean, we could have done a lot worse. I'll put it that way. SMU, decent team, uh, been been pretty good lately. So we'll see what they look like Georgia next year. did worse. <laughs> I'd rather have SMU on the schedule yeah. than Ball State and not that I'm just, like, doing cartwheels over the fact that SMU's coming to town, but it is better than, than, than Ball quote, State, I guess. To quote the, uh, you know, to inspired by the Aggie Midnight Yell video, Ball isn't even a state. Oh there isn't God. even a state name Ball. How they can there be a Ball State? Such nerds. Such nerds. Golly. OU will be making the trip to Dallas September 11th, 2027. So, essentially, you scheduled a home-and-home today with SMU. Uh, they come here the in question, 23, you the go question there is The question there is, is it played at Jerry World? Um, well, I would guess no, because you were going to play – well, and, and here's why I would guess no, is SMU's facility is it's, – it's decent. I mean, it's not – I mean, it's not god awful seats, by any stretch. It seats thirty-two, thirty-two thousand. Yeah, thirty-two thousand seats. You are playing at Tulsa next year, and you were supposed to play at Tulane last year. So I don't think that OU is going to demand that game be moved to Jerry World. But I could be totally off on that. Could be totally off. I would, I would much rather it be at SMU. I'm just, I think I've, I've made my thoughts abundantly clear on. Um, I think when we when we talk about people wanting to move OU Texas to Jerry World, that it's too sterile yep. of an environment. I think a lot of people, if they're if they're really, it's a it's a corporate atmosphere. There's there there is no atmosphere. You You're right, man. It is so no. anti college football in there. And what I mean by that is, place to watch if you football. are sitting on one end of the stadium and uh, your team's band is on the other, you can't even really hear the fight song or what's going on and what's playing. And, man, that's one of the many awesome things about Saturday. You And, and I've been to both the Cowboys game. I've been to a uh, New Year's Six Bowl game in there. I've been to an OU Texas Big 12 Championship game in there. I've been to basically every single kind of football game you can imagine there. I've been to an LSU-Oregon game there. The atmosphere inside that place absolutely sucks. So I'm with you. I would much rather play it on the campus at SMU than at Jerry World. Thousand percent. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry World feels like it's its, its own event. Like it's a, it's a mall or something like that, and a football game just happens to be being played in the middle of it, as opposed to you're at a football game. Like the football game is the most important thing going on right now. Like and and, and again, I've been to the the Dallas games and the and, and 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 whether it's pro or college, but it's you know I, I'm not a fan of it. But yeah, put me on campus. Put me put me on SMU's campus, and uh, and yeah. We'll see what they we'll see what they want to do though. It's all about money, right, Tyler? Yeah, it, it is. And there's some uh, national media members today saying that this move has nothing to do with OU being in the SEC next year. Dennis Dodd said today's SEC Oklahoma scheduling announcement 
does not indicate movement on OU and Texas leaving the Big 12 early. That could happen, but this is not an indicator. Best guess, SEC close on its future scheduling structure and needs those OU-Georgia, OU-Tennessee matchups for competitive balance. Are you buying it? Do you think that that report is accurate or that guess is accurate? Or do you think that this definitely means OU and Texas to the SEC next season? I, You know, I, I disagree with him that it's not an indicator because I do believe that it is an indicator, whether that's 1% or 99%. It's somewhere in between. Um, I do think he was just kind of looking for what else it could be because obviously everybody's first thought is, okay, they're leaving early, they're leaving early. It just seems like everything is moving so fast. You've got the Big Ten move. You've got the other schools being approved to move into the Big 12 early. Do you really want that one kind of weird year where you're trying to work out how a schedule works with OU and Texas still in the conference? you gotta, you got to – I mean, just the, the, the marketing, the, the rule changes, the, the scheduling, the – the branding, the, everything about it. And your mark is, is going West Coast shopping, it sounds like, based on his statements. He wants to keep adding teams. So it seems like everything's moving so quickly that it just makes sense for this to move again in 2023. At the absolute latest, 2024, I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell we make it to 2025. Yeah, I agree. Um, if OU's in the SEC next year, well – we're probably you're definitely talking about no bedlam next year, and I think you're talking about no bedlam for a while anyway. But if you move to the SEC next year, and they have a nine-game conference schedule, which is what I'm guessing that they're probably going to do, it's going to be the first year so. in a long time where you're not going to play Oklahoma State. So that that is on the table. And OSU in the past what year has really at no point given us any indication whatsoever that they're going to play one another once they'll use officially in the SEC for football. Right. And and uh, Parker Thune hit us up on the uh, whole secret text line and says that there is a Hawaiian Bros and a Velvet Taco within walking distance of SMU's campus. So um, that's all he needs. So, the you know, I think he's been asked so much about where to eat in Omaha that he's become uh, he's become our little trip advisor guide over here. I like it. I guess so. Stewart says, Tyler, I've been to SMU Stadium for two first responder bowls. It's brand new, great concessions and restrooms, 38,000 fans. Hey, that's awesome to hear, Stewart. I don't care if it seats 18,000 fans. I would much rather see OU SMU on campus at SMU than I would Jerry World. And I'm, I just, I don't know. I, I, it's not that I absolutely hate the building because there's definitely some redeeming qualities about it, not many. It's just like we talked about. It's terrible. It's terrible for a football game. Um, the Dallas Cowboys it, it don't have cor- this great home field environment. It's corporate, man. That's what it was built it is, to be. It is the exact opposite. It is the exact opposite of the Cotton Bowl. Uh, you know, when the Cotton Bowl, there's not a single suite. And I get it. There are a lot of people that – Enjoy the sweets, and that's that's great. I I think uh, everybody should be able to enjoy their um, kind of experience, however they'd like. But it's the it's the polar opposite of you know every person you know from every walk of life gets the same seats for the most part, same elements, everything like that. 
Not at Jerry World, man. You either you either get really low so you can focus on the actual game and spend through your nose, or you get a little bit higher up, which is still really expensive, and you're distracted by the monstrosity of a screen, like you're basically watching it at home on TV, or you're in a suite and you get distracted from there even a game going on. So uh, not a lot of win-win-win scenarios going on if it moves to Jerry World. Do you think that there's an entire parking lot outside SMU Stadium totally dedicated to uh, BMWs outside, and then there's Mercedes parking lot on the other side of the stadium? <laughs> it's kind of like an F1 thing. There's just uh, yeah. all these different teams of uh, teams of car I'm, I'm going to be nervous to drive are, my Nissan Altima out there if I still have it. I'm going to look like a poor person with all, uh, with all the SMU well, people. We might need to ride with Parker. Who knows what he's getting? So, I <laughs> no, mean, Parker no. getting out of the Taurus. No, he has to keep the four Taurus for the SMU game in 27 <laughs> so we can park in between two BMWs with the four Taurus. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would be a, it'll be like 25 t- years old. It might be the 25th anniversary of the four Taurus. The, the two, uh, we got to park it as close as we can between the two, um, you know, just, just, to, just to give them a little bit of a scare. But – but yeah, we might have to ride. Might have to take the old KREF mobile, um, just in case we have problems with the tourists on the way back. What about playing SMU at night in Fair Park? Uh, look, I, I love the Cotton Bowl. I love the old place, but once a year is plenty in the Cotton Bowl. I'm okay with pl- with. I'm I am just fine only playing one game a year at the Cotton Bowl. No, thank you. Yeah, I, th- I, I yeah I think the Cotton Bowl should be reserved for OU in Texas. Yeah, exactly. SMU has a $100 million project to bowl in one of their end zones starting soon. That's on the text line. Completion in 25. OU game is not until 27. So there you go. You'll be playing at a you know somewhat decent facility at uh, SMU. But I do, but I do appreciate the uh, text recommending Fair Park because you're thinking outside the box. You know that's we need more of that. You know so appreciate that text. Keep firing off your ideas. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll get back to OU Nebraska and this upcoming slate in college football coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homeless Suter fans. The Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers are bringing you this hour of The Rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Yes, the intro says the Friday Rush, but it's really the Wednesday Rush. Travis will be with me, though, on Friday at the session room in Omaha from 2 to 6 p.m. That's going to be a lot of fun. So, Sooners fan, Sooner fans heading to the uh, OU Nebraska game, stop by Omaha on Friday from 2 to 6. We'll be at the session room up there having a lot of fun. You are at Ash Cigar Bar right now. I'll ask you about that here in a few minutes. But first, what is OU's biggest edge in this game on Saturday against Nebraska? I mean, just the general talent level would be would be the easiest answer. I mean, Nebraska doesn't have anywhere close to just the Jimmys and Joes that Oklahoma will be rolling out there. But I'm going to go... 
with coaching. I think it's uh, kind of like we touched on uh, in, in last hour, I believe. It, it, it's a guy in Mickey Joseph that's sure the fans love, the players love. But this guy hasn't been a head coach for any meaningful you know, pro- meaningful program at this level for any meaningful amount of time. Uh, the He has, does not have the staff that we see at Oklahoma. And, again, we go back to there's only there's only one new coach that could have put together this staff at Oklahoma, and that's Brent Venables. He doesn't have a Todd Bates in Nebraska. He doesn't, he doesn't have Miguel Chavis in Nebraska. He doesn't have DeMarco Murray in a building. Like, that kind of stuff, the, the preparation, and then the in-game adjustments. We saw against Kent State. Something that hasn't been in Norman for a long time, a halftime adjustment. And that kind of thing, I I think, is really our biggest edge. I think the biggest edge for OU on Saturday, and I could easily go with the tempo here because I think that that can always be looked at as OU – well, not always, but a lot of the time looked at as OU's biggest edge. I think it's the the OU passing game against the Nebraska secondary. I mean, Nebraska gave up – 409 passing yards last week to Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern was 37 of 56 for 409 yards. That's uh, 7.3 yards per pass. Now, Nebraska did have two interceptions in that game, but if you're giving up over 400 yards to Georgia Southern, that means there is a very ripe opportunity for Dylan Gabriel to have a massive day through the air. And what have we been saying this week, Travis? Well, okay, like the OU defense has been good, but this is the best offense that you're going to face. True. Uh, This is the toughest game that you're going to face so far at Nebraska. That's also true, but you can throw that the other way around, right? They gave up over 400 yards to Georgia Southern. I'm going to go ahead and guess that OU's passing game is much more lethal than what Georgia Southern's is. And I saw Nebraska on film try to tackle Georgia Southern, especially in the secondary, they weren't very good at it. I think that there is definitely an avenue for a lot of explosive plays in the passing game, and not just down the field, but I'm talking about after the catch as well, because this is not a good tackling football team. I think that's OU's biggest edge. Yeah, do you do you put much merit in the, um, you know, Texas is going to – or Texas – Nebraska is going to be more motivated now than they were before the the Scott Frost firing, that is. Um, are they going to be more motivated? I mean, slightly. I, I think that they were going to be motivated regardless because they know how big of a game this is. And if Scott Frost was still coaching today, this was essentially going to be their season on Saturday. Like, this was always going to be Nebraska's chance – to salvage some sort of a successful season. So will they be any more motivated? Man, if they are, I think it's very minimal, if that's the case. Right. You know, I, I think there's a little bit of a little bit of merit to the, like I said, oh, we want to play for Joseph, we really like Joseph, but is that going to all of a sudden make your players bigger, faster, stronger, more talented? No, no, I don't think it does. And I'll put it this way, <laughs> maybe that, happens under the last staff coming in overconfident maybe a little bit but anybody who's ever listened to brent venable speak in media you know he's inspiring i mean the players the way they talk about him i don't think he's going to let them be overconfident 
or let them take Nebraska lightly. Uh, by the way, uh, what's OU's biggest edge? Text line, as always, interact with the show. Want your opinion. 405-651-3439. Chance of bad weather in Nebraska on Saturday. I am uh, looking at the forecast right now. It says scattered thunderstorms in the morning, then partly cloudy late. You've got winds from the south at 10 to 20 miles per hour. Chance of rain is 40%, which I think is actually well, up from yesterday. So, yikes. So, so you mean that 115th ranked run defense uh, is going to be put to the test uh, for the Huskers? Okay. Okay, sounds good. Um, 972 area code says, I watched our offense in the first half last week. I'm not as confident as Tyler. I hope he's right. Look. We have and, yeah, we should acknowledge what happened in the first half of last week. But at the same time, like I don't think that you should use the first half as your entire basis for how you think that this game on Saturday is going to go. Yeah, the, the first half was not great. I cannot paint it any other way than just that. They could not run the ball. They could not pick up first downs. They couldn't sustain drives. It was a very, very ugly half of football. But at the same time, Travis, like that hasn't really been the constant for the offense this year. And as bad as the first half was, the third quarter was really, really good. So, yes, acknowledge that the first half happened, but I don't think that that's how the offensive performance has to go on Saturday just because they played 29 bad minutes of football against Kent State last week. Yeah, and, and I also think – I also think it – we opened it up a little bit, right? Opened it up, adjusted, and reeled off 31 straight points in what was a little over a quarter of action. So, look, this defense is going to keep us in every game, and I am not worried about an offense uh, that's putting up, you know, on average, what, 34 points per game? Uh, my quick math isn't uh, where it needs to be. I know we've... Neither is mine, don't worry. has been 68, so... <laughs> But regardless, um, regard I believe it's 39, actually, quicker math. But regardless, the adjustments were made, and we blew the game wide open. And I think that's my, that's my overarching point is it wasn't working, made adjustments, blew the game wide open. So, and, and it's the willingness to make adjustments. And actually, if we need to make them earlier, that's fine and dandy. But Nebraska's defense has not been any good. Again, 115th against the run. I mean, this isn't this isn't a situation where, and again, I'm going to be shredded over this. I get it, but this isn't this isn't a situation where Nebraska is just leaps and bounds better than Kent State and UTEP right now. They haven't shown it. Do you think Kent State would have beat Georgia Southern? Or maybe Northwestern. It would at least been a really beat, close football game. I mean, may, maybe or maybe beat North Dakota by a larger margin. Do you think UTEP would have? I th- I think that the results possibly would have been the exact same. And that culture, that losing culture, it takes more than you know seven days with Mickey Joseph to just uproot all that and fix it. Biggest difference, says Realtor Chris, is a winning culture. Nebraska will quit if they get down early. Oklahoma will not. Uh, 918, our biggest edge is Billy Bowman and future Buckus Award winner Danny Stutzman. Yes, Stutzman was excellent last week. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, they, they're, they're, they've 
two leaders in tackles on the defense, 21 for Stutzman, 20 for Billy Bowman. It's just so fun to watch since we saw Danny Stutzman last year, talented freshman flying around, at least flashing uh, with some big plays. And then Billy Bowman, he played every position in the secondary last year as a true freshman and really was a disservice to him. One of the first things Brent Venables came in and did when he was asked about, you know, kind of who he had, you know, the personnel and what decisions he made, he's like, Billy Bowman's going to play corn or going to play safety. That's going to be his position. We're not going to move him around. We're going to let him thrive in that role. And now that he's been able to focus on a role, all he's done is, uh, you know, had 20 tackles in two games and forced and recovered a fumble. And he's been hitting people too. Yeah, um, you good with saying that Stutzman and Billy Bowman are your best two players defensively? I I know that Reggie Grimes has had an excellent start, but those guys just look like they are in charge of your defense. Danny Stutzman in the middle of your defense at backer. Billy Bowman kind of controls the back end there. It just seems like those two guys are playing at a really high level, but they also, like, they know what they're doing and they're directing everyone else at their position. Yeah, it's the leadership has stepped up, especially with Stutzman, man. You see the communication out there. Uh, and then Bowman comes off the field um, last game against Kent State, and he's helping with the defensive play calls. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's not just their understanding of the defense uh, and their physical progress that they've made, but it's their willingness to be leaders that have that's really shown Kyle Witt says defensive line and backers are the biggest edge keep Casey Thompson wrapped up and will win by 30 how about this one for a hot take the 918 says the biggest edge in this game is actually the mascot now I don't know if that means that you think Herbie Husker is better than uh, Boomer and Sooner but Herbie Husker's not a bad mascot. It's just a big, giant man with Nebraska gear on, but it serves its purpose. Yeah, it's, yeah. there's a couple different ways you could argue it, I guess. I, you know, I, I kind of like their branding. I wish they'd throw it back to kind of their their older older school branding, if you will, with the, with the Huskers written out a bit sloppier. But we're seeing that all over. I read an article the other day. It's... Everybody, the Facebook logo, the Lexus logo, Yves Saint Laurent, like all these are all going to the exact same simple, modern font, everything like that. It's kind of a bummer because you're losing a lot of the character um, that, that used to come with a lot of brands. Nebraska has two mascots. They've got Herbie Husker and they've got Lil Red, which is in like this uh, outfit, Travis, where he can basically bounce on the top of his head on the ground. So that's and they've done that for a while. So that's what they're rolling. Or with. Are we well, are we judging the mascots by dance offs? Or I mean, what are we doing here? Well, uh, if we're judging it by dance offs, then I don't like uh, Boomer and Sooners and uh, Top Dog could get it done. Top Dog had the best moves back in the day, but not really a football mascot, right? If we're yeah, not counting true. Top Dog here, we're going school wide. Nebraska's biggest edge is in the mascot uh, is in the mascot matchup. Just saying. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. It's. I don't think we're including Top Dog in this uh, conversation. But Top Dog, yes, is better than Herbie Husker or Lil Red or anything else that they have. Text line again. Well, of course. Can, can, can you repeat your location slash time for Friday shows? Yes, I can. Uh, here, from noon to six on Friday, we are going to be at the session room in Omaha. 
which what did Parker say is a block west of Charles Schwab Field? One, yes, one block west. If you find okay. yourself at a massive baseball stadium uh, in Omaha, go one block to the west. Very, very easy to find. The session room. And I guess OU, they're going to have like the Boomer Bash, their OU alumni uh, events at the ballpark. Correct. From 6 to 8 p.m. Correct. correct. That will be from 6 to 8. They will have Coach Skip Johnson uh, speaking at that, answering some questions uh, and whatnot. And the Pride of Oklahoma will be there. And Hillbilly Vegas wow. will be playing. How about uh, that? That will be there on the concourse uh, at Schwab Field. So, yeah, if, 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 you, come, uh, if you come to Nebraska um, – Hang out with us in Omaha. It's going to be a blast on Friday. We'll be there all day. Get to your hotel, check in, and then throw on some deodorant, you know, to combat the uh, the corn sweat, um, and then come out and hang out with us. I, I will say, uh, Tyler, do you remember uh, last week when I was talking about uh, my buddy Paul Doobie that's going to be taking a train Look, there? If, if there is an individual with the last name Doobie, I'm never going to forget that name. So, yes, I remember you <laughs> referencing Paul Doobie. Yeah, well, uh, turns out he's going to have to drive because of the the railroad workers' strike. Uh, they canceled all the uh, all the rails going in from wow. uh, Denver to Lincoln. So, yeah, what a bummer! Anybody that was going to try last minute to to hop a train. You might want to think again. Well, if you're looking for a good time and he's looking for a free ride, uh, I'm going to guess it would be a pretty adventurous trip to Omaha or Lincoln with the guy with the last name Doobie in the car with you. So if that's the kind of vibe and atmosphere you're looking like, I feel uh, Paul Doobie could probably give you that. Just just a hunch here. Never met the guy. There's a 100% chance you meet Paul Doobie (laughs) in in, in Nebraska. I promise you. He will will come by. Uh, I'd like to hear the OUPA guy uh, say that one. Say that one. <laughs> Paul Doopee. That would be sweet. All right, we'll take a, we'll take a break. The rush uh, right here on the ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, more college football on the other side. We are the Homo Sooner fans. The Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you hour number two of the rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson at Ash Cigar Bar in Tulsa. What's going on at Ash today, man? Oh, you know, just kicking it over here. 42nd and Sheridan in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, You know, just about to fire up probably in this last hour a little victory cigar since I didn't have one uh, after the last game. So uh, we'll see about that. But, yep, got $3 domestics, uh, got... No convenient location right here off right here off of Sheridan. Easy to find. Owner owner hanging out right here with us. One of the owners, Mr. Brandon Hayes. So yeah, it's a good time. I think this goes without saying because OU's not gonna play Georgia next year. That series has essentially been canceled. Uh, the OU LSU series, I think that was twenty six and twenty seven or twenty seven and twenty eight. Uh, that one is effectively off the table too. But at some point LSU will be in Norman, 
and OU will be in Baton Rouge. Probably even there's, sooner there's, than that 27 and 28 where the series was scheduled. There are not a lot of uh, teams, actually, big-time teams, that have 27 and 28 open. You know what one of them happens to be? 27 and 28, a team that's U- open, USC. Yep. Mm. Come on, come on, well, with it. You might actually have a decent – he's not going to be at USC in 27. I know, that's – we don't even think he might. He probably won't even be there in the Big Ten. I guarantee you that he probably negotiated in his contract a clause where uh, they can't schedule <laughs> OU while he's the head coach there. Not right. really kidding oh, all that man. much, actually. I could see that being the case. I, I could see it. I could see it. Do you uh, tell you what? Looping back to recruiting a little bit, uh, the rival site that covers Notre Dame. Uh, inside ND Sports, they put out a little article um, that said five prospects that could flip. And boy, oh boy, is there a lot of OU intrigue in these five uh, five recruits. Do you want to get into this now, or do you want to uh, go next? Yeah, second? so Peyton Bowen is here, and that's the obvious one that we're looking at. And, you know, OU got on a recruiting roll this summer, especially in the month of July. And the impressive thing was they got on a recruiting role, especially on the defensive side of the ball, before they ever even coached a game. And my question, you know, all offseason was, okay, this is great and this is impressive, but what's going to happen when OU starts to play really good defense and these recruits get to see it firsthand that, yeah, OU is back to playing good defense. Now, I'm not willing to say that elite defense is back at OU based on what they did against UTEP and Kent State. But the numbers are at least there to sell. Some numbers that they haven't had in quite some time. I wonder how much of a positive impact this start defensively is having on guys such as Peyton Bowen, who was in Norman on Saturday and got to watch firsthand a defense that played pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a great point. Another person, you named one of the five on the list, another is his Denton Geyer teammate, who happens obviously to be Jackson Arnold's Denton Geyer teammate, current LSU commit Ryan Yates, who also was in town for the Kent State game. So two of the five on this list happen to be OU flip targets, happen to be in OU at, at the time of an Aggie loss, where they looked real bad, a uh, Notre Dame loss, where they looked real bad, and Yates had to watch uh, LSU lose to a pretty bad Florida State team uh, to open up their season. What's interesting is two of the other people on this list are committed to Texas. Malik Muhammad committed to Texas, but still plans on taking all of his visits. Uh, Muhammad is planning on taking an official to Texas A&M this season. And you've got Derek Williams, the uh, safety He said he plans on taking officials to Alabama, LSU, Miami, and Texas A&M. So, you know, when you look at Brent Venable's strategy of allowing no official visits, you know, and he'll consider you uncommitted, man, Texas fans might be sweating because some people think Cedric Baxter might be flipping to Florida. And now you've got Malik Muhammad and Derek Williams, two of their top-rated commits, rumored to be – are confirmed to be taking visits to other places. So, will be interesting. Yeah, I feel I actually feel pretty good about OU ending up with a better or higher-ranked recruiting class than Texas. And I never thought I would have said that. 
going back three months ago, maybe even two months ago. But the right. fact that David Hicks, a five-star defensive lineman, is an OU lean, and the fact that there's confidence that Peyton Bowen will flip to OU, you get two of those guys, it's going to be incredibly difficult for Texas to make up that margin to have a higher-ranked recruiting class than OU. So when we talk about the number two class, and we say it all the time, it's real, and it's there. And forget just about those two guys. OU can close with more than just those two guys. You're trying to close on four-star athlete Malachi Coleman out of Lincoln, Nebraska. That one seems to be down to OU in Nebraska. And you could almost seemingly put this recruitment away with a dominating uh, performance this weekend in Lincoln. That, I think that would probably go a long way for Malachi Coleman. And there's already expert predictions in the day that he's going to end up at OU. So you are, you are in a great situation. Not only do you have a lot of top targets still on the board, you are sitting at one or really close to one for seemingly all of these guys. Right. And as we said earlier in the year, and kind of whenever I put out my four-flip prediction, these teams that are faltering with these new coaches, it's or with Jimbo, um, th- this is going to affect them. The reason that some of these kids aren't committed yet is because they wanted to see the play on the field. Otherwise, you they would do what every other uh, you know, recruit is doing and saying, you know what, I want to go ahead and lock in my commitment before my senior year in high school so I can focus 100% on my high school team, trying to win a state title, trying to accomplish our goals, everything like that. You hear that from high school recruits all the time. The only ones you don't hear it from are the guys that wait, that want to see how things go. Well, if OU continues to look good on both sides of the ball, again, once competition gets tougher, if they're able to sustain that, then you might be able to swing some guys that you didn't expect in the first place. They're going to be just fine. They're, they're, they're going to finish in the top five. They're going to have what I think is going to be the uh, elite defensive line class in this entire recruiting cycle. This is going to be the highest ranked uh, recruiting class OU's had in 20 years or more, Travis. That's the way it looks right now. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. We've said this before, but it bears repeating. 2023 was supposed to be the class that, you know, was probably going to be top 10, but we needed, you know, Venables and those guys and all the rest of the coaching staff to kind of get used to being at OU, put something on actual film that they could show recruits that showed actual OU uniforms doing it and not Clemson uniforms doing it. Um, And they didn't have a ton of the – like OU legacy ties kind of or Oklahoma ties that, that we will have in 2024 and 2025. And I'll tell you what, we're way ahead of schedule. You know, the 2024 class, I think a lot of us, specifically on the D-line, with guys like David Stones and Davian Sims, uh, like with that you expected, okay, 2024 is going to be good. 2025, guys like Ravy and Larry, um, like – guys that are close either to Oklahoma or on the border of Oklahoma. I don't know, man. This 2023 class being way ahead of schedule has got me all kinds of excited. Yeah, as it should, man, as uh, as it should. And I, I, there's a lot of people that haven't recruited, uh, haven't followed recruiting in, like, a long time. 
most people ever. They've never really followed recruiting closely ever. But there's been so much excitement with OU recruiting that I found a lot of people are, for the first time ever, really getting into it and learning the players' names and where OU stands. Because, man, it's been really exciting to see them close on a lot of top prospects like they have over the course of the past few months. Uh, 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll get to some of those coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. Sooner fans, to the Air Comfort Solutions text line we go. Will the offensive line look better Saturday? Let's face it, Nebraska has more talent than the other two teams. But as a team, they might be the worst one we've played so far. OU needs to go win this football game. Uh, will the offensive line look better on Saturday? There is zero excuse for them not to. You've got Wanye uh, Morris back, so you've got all your pieces in play. You've had two games to evaluate yourself and hopefully find the best five to throw out there. You're playing against a Nebraska defense that cannot stop the run, no matter who they play or what style of offense they see. Will the offensive line look better on Saturday? They better, Travis, or I will start to uh, be very, very concerned about that group moving forward. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to, uh, uh, you know, stop running out of excuses if they don't, because I have been very much on the uh, uh, get Wanya Morris back. It gets everybody back in the positions they were in all of camp, where we were told it was the strength of the team. We don't need to flip the tackles. We don't need to play true freshmen. We don't need people communicating with people they didn't communicate with the whole time. That should make us better. I, I don't see how it can't make us better. And here's the big thing. He's not coming off an injury. Like, he doesn't have a pitch count. Like, he's he's coming off a suspension. So Coming off the scout like team think, is where he's coming from. Yeah. You like to think Wanya Morris is going to be healthier than he ever has been. Which, that's a very humbling experience, uh, having to play on the scout team after you were listed as the starter on the depth chart just uh, a week before that. But that was his situation. But, uh, yeah, if they don't look good running the football on Saturday against this Nebraska front, and I know we're factoring in that they're going to play better maybe than they have uh, all year up to this point, I'll, um, I'll start to really question what this running game is going to look like for the rest of the year. Final hour of The Rush is next. Keep it locked on the ref.